This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with April Blackford. April, if you want to say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. So we have a pretty hot uh, podcast going right about now. We're moving up the, the health category and actually moving up the overall category. We've been kind of sitting in the top 100 of podcasts worldwide, and then, you know, we've been you know, in the, in the health category, <laughs> we've only been doing this for like two weeks. So it's, it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. Uh, very flattering that, that people are, that the message is resonating with people. And so we, we definitely thank you guys for, um, you know, all the great feedback. We actually have a contest. Um, you know, when I post this, I'll do show notes and in the show notes, I will, um, do the contest because we have specific Eat and Form branded shoes from Reebok that you guys get a chance to win that was designed by uh, another one of the hosts, um, Chris Dietz. One of the things that's cool about this is that you guys get to meet all the various members of the Eat and Form staff in the various shows that we're doing. And I think, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, April's voice and Catherine's voice and Chris's voice and well when you know <laughs> it's kind of funny the critiques the the only like one star um uh I think we've got like a couple that weren't that great and uh it's like oh the Paul Nobles guy he's so long-winded <laughs> you know I I you know and there's you know guilty as charged there's no question about it I I think that you know, there has to be someone that kind of carries the the long-winded part of the program. And so, you know, uh, and then obviously some of these I do, um, you know, especially with the, the four free chapters of the audio books. By the way, if you haven't, um, you know, looked at those podcasts, you know, you should because they might not be around for very long. They're actually going to be our upcoming book called Killing the Diet Industry. And I have to say, you know, in in listening and editing those chapters, I'm really excited about that content. And I think it's coming out really good. Uh, April, you listened to one of them then, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was very spot on. It was good. So highly recommend listening if they have the access to listen now. Yeah, because, I mean, it might be six months from now and the book might actually be on sale. I mean, obviously, we'll do what most people do. We'll have a, a free chapter or two. But, you know, right now it's it's March. Um, well, actually, it's late February um, going into March. So what we're going to talk about today is, uh, and, and we have, you know, members of Eat Forum that are sitting here. Um, we'll sometimes run through questions, but typically on Mondays, we, we kind of have a theme and today's theme is getting off the fence and why, you know, kind of moving, you know, all in, um, is kind of not only suggested, but it's really required. Um, and it's that, that commitment that, that makes a big difference. And we're not just talking about it from like, hey, guys, just keep going. Um, it really is. Um, we'll, we'll get more in-depth on, on why all of that's important. But I wanted to tell a little bit of a story that I thought of when um, 
you know, I first started playing poker fairly seriously. I played poker for many years, you know, and it, it obviously there's a little bit of synergy in the two topics. And for the longest time, you know, I, you know, I read a lot of poker books. I was technically very good at, you know, understanding the complexities of the game. But what I remember most was having like these instincts that I would often ignore, right? And uh, I also remember, you know, this is sort of funny because I'm sort of known as, you know, one of the best online poker um, tournament players, or at least, you know, when I was playing actively, I was known as that. Um, my, my percentage rate of, of wins was super high. Uh, one of the things that I did that was very different from a lot of people is that a lot of people would play a lot of lot of games all at once. You know, I'm referring mostly to online poker, um, and I would typically only play one or two, and so it allowed my attention level to be up. But what I remember most was something that became kind of norm um, later on. Uh, you know, with the majority of poker players. I wouldn't say that this is a move that is common in poker, but it it's something that if it's an example of if you use your instincts, they tend to be right, right? So I was on this cruise for the World Poker Tour, and um, if you're not familiar with poker, there's like these satellite tournaments that allow you um, entry into the poker tournament and you play that before the big poker tournament starts. And I think that the, the cost of that tournament was like $8,000. So, you know, you could pay like $200 and potentially win um, an entry for $8,000. And so I put up my $200 and I started playing and then, you know, hours into the match, it was, it, you know, it was down to like six of us. And I think two people um, made it into the main event. And, you know, it, it's sort of hard to describe if you don't know poker, but basically, you know, there was only, uh, you know, like I said, there, the max would have been six people playing in the hands at the time. And, the guy that was under the gun um, moves all in and we're all very short chipped at this point. And, you know, there's $8,000 on the line, you know, and um, it was the difference between me making this tournament and not making this tournament. And I had flown, you know, on a cruise, on a cruise. I was there really not just for, for um, to play the tournament, but also, um, you know, if I didn't make the, the tournament, I was still on a cruise, right? So um, that, that didn't end up being a, kind of a bad thing. So this guy moves all in, and I'm in the big blind, so I already have some money commit, committed. I'm not going to get too much in the details because if you don't know much about poker, uh, it won't mean anything to you. So I look down. I've got Queen Jack suited. The guy moved in onto the gun. I was thinking – through all these different things. The long story short is I thought this guy is willing to do just about anything at this point to take the blinds. And 
I think I might have a better hand than him. Now, if you don't know anything about poker, Queen Jack sounds like a good hand. It's actually a really bad hand because any ace beats it, any king beats it, any king queen and you're dominated, any king jack and you're dominated. <laughs> and so your percentages um, go down dramatically. Um, and, you know, when, you know, I, I was looking at the guy and I was talking to him and I said, I just, I, I said, I can't explain why I'm doing this. And this is, you know, I mean, there's a lot, a lot at stake here, but I call. And so I called and I, I pulled up uh, Queen Jack and he rolls over his five and his 10. And um, I was right. And he got knocked out, and I won the tournament, won eight thousand um, dollars, and that right there was the difference between who I used to be in poker and ultimately what became what ultimately made me a winning poker player is I quit ignoring all of the advice that everyone was giving me, and I started going with my instincts a little bit more, right? And I think that relates to the story that we're going to talk about because one of the things that, that comes up a lot and someone said to me recently about our onboarding process and, and we've gotten really good with our onboarding process, especially in the forums. And, you know, we communicate with new members a lot. And certainly whenever anybody's doing anything new, you know, they'll often say, you know, this is sort of overwhelming, can kind of be confusing at times. And I, I would say that, you know, Weight Watchers hears that, Slim Fast, you know, all of these places kind of hear that because people are making major changes to their life. And, you know, I'm just going to say it the way it is. They're doing so reluctantly, right? You don't really want to change your life. You know, there's something that typically made that happen for you. And the, the problem as I see it is that the good majority of people, as they're doing it, and, and, and oh, by the way, I'm not just talking about new members to eat to perform. I'm talking about people that have been doing eat to perform for three years, right? there comes a point where you have to say what I'm doing right now isn't working. And so I have to make a change and that change is uncomfortable. And you have to, you have to try things that are a little bit different to see if you can get a better result. And sometimes those things are end up being a little uncomfortable. I mean, you know, when, when you're talking about weightlifting, when I first started weightlifting, I was scared as hell. I never lifted a weight in my life, you know? And I mean, I absolutely thought that I was going to get hurt, but every piece of evidence led me to the point where I needed to lift weights for my body. You know, I was already getting the information from a science standpoint, you know, and and everybody, you know, all the all the PhDs I was talking to, all the trainers that I was talking to were like, look, you know, we can we can pussyfoot around here, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to do some 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 resistance training. 
And I was trying to do it a lot with body weight movements and stuff like that. Not quite, you know, CrossFit type stuff, but more, more stuff that I thought was CrossFit. And then later on when I actually did start doing CrossFit, um, you know, I, I figured out it wasn't CrossFit real quick. Um, and then, you know, once I started lifting weights, you know, I remember kind of messing around with lowish weights that really didn't challenge me and didn't really change very much in, in the mirror. You know, I wasn't doing, you know, it, it was sort of weird because, you know, I mean, this is obviously before, you know, I started getting really serious about fitness, but, you know, it was almost like, like powerlifting with light weights, you know? Um, so it was, it was kind of like the worst idea as it relates to lifting weights. Cause I wasn't doing enough reps. I was, I was kind of scared. My form wasn't great, you know, and, and kind of went from there. Any thoughts as I'm kind of walking through this process though, April, because I know that this is obviously something, you know, I mean, April, when I, when I mentioned this topic, she said, literally, this could be the topic every single week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I see, you know, I agree with what you said, you know, it is uncomfortable, you know, you and I both, you know, we've changed things in our lives or diets that, you know, it, it feels uncomfortable, you know, to, to some extent, but at some point you gotta be all in, you know, you have to, you have to take a chance. And, you know, the, I was thinking about when you were just talking about whenever you started lifting weights and you would do the lighter weights, you know, just in general, you know, even for myself in, in regards to my training, you know, I would have never gotten as high on my bench or as high on my squat or, or did anything like that unless I pushed it, unless, you know, if I stayed in that comfort zone of what I was comfortable with that I knew I could do, I would never get stronger because mentally I would just stay in that little hole, stay in that little circle, you know, but, you know, over time it was, you know, I'm feeling good today, you know. Uh, you know, consistently hit 130 on my bench, I'm going to go for 135 and just see, you know, just test it and see. And then when you hit it, it gives you the confidence to, to continue forward and to, to go on, you know, but you have to be able to, to push, you know, to push the limits at times. Yeah, you have to make that leap and you have to go with your instincts, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that are coming from like a low calorie background or a low carb background that really aren't, you know, they're just kind of like pushing their toes in and they're not really kind of giving themselves the opportunity. So like when you, you know, when we talk about like adding some carbohydrates to your approach and upping your calories gradually, you know, that's supposed to translate to more work and more benefit in the gym. So if you're pushing the cars, but you're not really pushing the, the work side of things, you know, you, you got to really kind of kind of play with a lot of elements. And I think more than anything, you have to fail, you know, you have to, you have to be okay with failing. You know, what, what everyone wants is they, you know, it was so funny, you know, one of the, my good friends in the industry is Chad Wesley Smith from Juggernaut Training Systems. And I remember one conversation that I had with, with Chad about, you know, periodization systems and, and things of this nature. And he's like, it's not as if there isn't some scientific basis for everything that 
we're doing as we're writing programming and, and he's you know talking about us both um he's like but really it's a lot of experience it's a lot of trial and error and kind of seeing what works you know and every single time you talk to kind of these high level trainers and these people that have you know achieved great things athletically that's what they'll all tell you is that some level of trial and error makes sense when i first started doing kind of more of a hybrid style of training and i started to run you know one i'm not a great runner um but I really wanted to explore kind of the long endurance side of things. And when I started doing 18, 20 mile runs last year, you know, it wasn't comfortable for me. And I had to start figuring out some things along the way. And going into this summer, what I think is going to end up happening for me is that um, I'm going to end up doing a lot more rucks than I do, you know, um, running. Now, in terms of stress on my body, which, you know, in this case, we're talking about stress sort of in a positive way because you're stressing your body, so your body then adapts to that, and then you get better as a result. You know, talking about cardiovascular system, talking about, you know, using your energy systems the way that they're, you know, meant to be used. But, you know, one, um, running, you know, alone um, isn't fun. I, you know, found that, you know, going for these weighted hikes with my, my wife, you know, or, or ruck, you know, ruck walks or ruck hikes, you know, with a rucksack, 45 pounds. My wife has a 30-pounder. Um, one is just a great time to have a conversation with my wife. So that that's kind of fun. And we can get away with two to three hours and it's no big deal. You know, when you have to make running a priority in your life, it's not like I was, you know, training for a marathon or, or, or something of that nature. It was just kind of like athletically challenging myself to kind of see the response. Now, do I get the same response from a ruck that I do from, you know, jogging a similar time, time period or running a similar time period? No, definitely not. You know, it's, it's not as demanding for sure, even though it's, it's sort of heavy. Now, one of the things that is going to be interesting this year, um, I have done a few during the winter and I've kind of tried to double time it a little bit. And so a little bit more jogging and trying working on pace um, is something that, you know, I'm going to try and convince my wife to do. She might not be super excited about that, but, uh, in general, uh, that, that's kind of the, the idea. But, but if I had never started, I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. I mean, you know, I was doing legless rope climbs in the gym and if I'd never started anything i would never be able to do legless rope climbs i would have never even thought to do legless rope climbs i mean when i first started off you know um especially as i walked into the crossfit gym where i work out you know i had really bad tendonitis and couldn't do pull-ups so the idea that you know you don't even use your legs and climb up 15 feet 
you know, uh, up rope. I mean, that seems kind of ridiculous, but you know, years in, I've been able to sort of work my body to get to that point. And I think that, you know, it, it really brings us to kind of the biggest part here is you have to start, you know, I mean, let's, you know, one of the things that people get mad at me about is when I say, you know, you should participate in the E-Perform Opens if you're an E-Performer. It's it's a way to support the community. You should participate in the CrossFit Open if you're a CrossFitter because, you know, it's a way to, you know, plug into the community. Same thing with powerlifting, bodybuilding, running, you know, whatever it is you tell people you do, stick your flag in that bitch. I mean, like, seriously, like, you know, really stand up for yourself and and you know and i don't mean you know the, the, there was a couple people that were like oh it's so so judgmental of you to say that i'm not being judgmental but but let's be honest you're being a wuss you know you're 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 scared to do it because you're scared to get hurt or you're going to look embarrassed or whatever right guess what we all feel that way, you know? I mean, you don't think that I'm, I mean, I'm not a very good CrossFitter. So for me showing up at the CrossFit Open, you know, at my gym, I mean, I'm not gonna blow anybody away, um, but there's probably, I'd say, some newer athletes that are, you know, not as accomplished as I am at this point, and they're gonna be doing it, and I'm doing mine to support them, you know? And, and I feel like whether it's powerlifting, whether it's bodybuilding, whatever it is that you think you do, I just feel like that that's the next step, you know, and, and, and really at any age, you know, at any age, any athletic ability, if you, and it's not about competition, you know, every, everybody, you know, the competition, the only competition you're in is against yourself. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, April? Because I know, I know you've had some feedback on, on, on me saying that before. <laughs> no, um, I agree about the competition with yourself. You know, basically what you're saying is, is, you know, step out of your comfort zone. You know, if you have an interest in something, then make it your passion. And like what you said, you know, on that shit, you know, just, you know, and kind of a, a funny story yesterday, Tom was talking when he was younger, he used to skateboard and Tommy likes to skateboard and Tommy has gotten into this video game where he's like mastered this, this skateboard game. He knows, tricks and everything and he's been wanting to go outside and do it more and Tom built like a, a, a big ramp and things like that and Tom really really enjoys it and he really likes it but he made the comment the other day and said you know I'm never going to be a good skateboarder and I was like how the hell do you know I was like you know if you want to be better at something then you need to do it more you know you need to do it more you need to work at it you need to try harder you know you can't just give up and say I'm never going to be good at something you know, and, and I think one of the, the biggest mistakes that I see people, um, members, new people with Eat to Perform is not having goals, you know, not having specific goals. And I think having specific goals, you know, I'll ask people every day, what are your primary goals? You know, and of course we all want to look good naked and we all, you know, want to do this, but 
you know, 99% of the time the goals are, oh, I want to see the scale get down to here. I want to do this, you know, and I always make the suggestion of what about your performance goals? You know, what are your interests? What do you want to do? You know, do you want to get your pull-ups? Do you want to, you know, do you want to squat 200? What do you want to do? You know, and whatever that is, you know, number one, you know, set small goals and work at them rather than, you know, I want to rule the world, you know, in six months, you know, set the small goals and then you got to, you got to freaking work at it. You know, got to put in. Well, the you know, the good majority of people that come to eat to perform, right. Before they even talk to any, anyone, before they post any Facebook goal groups or anything like that. A lot of people, if you ask them what their primary goal is, they would say fat loss, you know? And like, how's that been working for you, man? I mean, like, you know, you've been doing that for so long. Why isn't it working for you? And I'll tell you why it's not working for you. There's nothing exciting about pursuing fat loss all the time. There's nothing exciting about being the carrot person at a party, you know, or the, the celery person at a party. Part of what we do at Eat Perform that's so fundamentally different every, than everyone else is we take you guys out of the starvation game for a good bit, right? And when we take you out of the starvation game, now all of a sudden, like April said, pull-ups become a priority, squatting becomes a priority. And then you you regain kind of that passion and excitement. And then you realize you know, you maybe had a bad relationship with food, and so therefore you're you're um, kind of pushing you know to the next level where you're enjoying food again. And you start to realize, holy cow. When I enjoy food and my passion and excitement for going to the to the gym, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to this going, I don't even know what this guy's talking about because every time I it's it's miserable going to the gym. It's not fun for me at all. Well, you know, are you playing the starvation game? Cuz if you've been playing the starvation and fat loss game for a long time. I was actually at a live event yesterday and I was talking to a lot of people and a lot of people that weren't familiar with each perform, and we were body fat testing them. And it was so interesting, you know, well, well, one, it was really interesting because there was probably five to six people that were each perform members. And I mean, they just lost their mind, you know, to be able to kind of connect with someone from each perform in real life. You know, it, it's like being part of a really special club that not everyone gets, you know, and, uh, but as I was talking to all these other people, you know, 75% of the people, well, what do I do for, for fat loss? And as I was like walking them through the process, you know, a lot of them, you know, had much less muscle, you know, they, they think that they have a fat problem, but they actually have a muscle problem. And, you know, I mean, I think most people realize that, you know, muscle is not something that happens overnight and, you know, it doesn't happen in 30 days, believe it or not, you know, and when you start pursuing the eating side of things and eating an adequate amount for what you do, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you're, you're enjoying the gym and, and you're meeting the people that are routinely going there rather than just like putting on your headphones and just ignoring everybody, you know, now all of a sudden you become plugged into something that's bigger than, than you are, you know, 
and now you have passion and excitement when you go to the 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 private forum at at you know eat form a side side off topic you know 90 percent of the posts are people like you know proud of their physiques proud of the hard work and 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 it's not just you know i mean every single physique is represented you know and every single person that's the other thing too man you know stake your flag there too you know be proud of the, where you are at the moment you know and too many people don't give themselves credit for pursuing things that are uncomfortable you know that's why you know there's there's two people in the forum that everybody talk about and and that's Sharon Boone and Paula and both those guys you know Dan to a certain extent right i mean these are people that bring so much to the community and they're not you know they're not like you know crossfit games athletes or olympians or whatever right they're just people that are really proud of their journey and the fact that you know they're pursuing health on a daily basis and then they're plugged into you know what we do at eat reform and you know it just it just takes it all to the next level. But if if you're like just sitting on the sideline, and we're not saying that you have to like, you know, post squat videos or, or anything like that, but at, at the very least, you know, plug into the positivity, you know, and quit trying to hate yourself lean, you know? And, and I think, you know, the one thing that I wanted to say kind of like to piggyback off of what April was saying is, it's not just new people. I mean, absolutely. For the new people, I think there's a lot of you guys, if you're honest with yourself, you buy the materials, you start reading them, and you download them, and you put your little pinky in, but you don't dive in. You don't start talking to coaches. You don't go to fundamentals classes. You don't sign up for Quick Start. You don't, you don't do all the things that ultimately, you know, because it's scary. It's a scary, uncomfortable proposition doing anything new. That said, there's people that are two, three years in the journey, right? They're sort of struggling through that process, and they're also unwilling to make changes. And those people also need to step up. Because I can say for April and myself, you know, there is no linear plan. And, all you know, it is sort of funny like watching all these other health podcasts, you know, where like everybody's like abbed up and, you know, and, and it's, it, you know, it's the fat burning podcast and stuff like this. I'm like, I am so sick and tired of that bullshit, man. You know, I'm almost 50 years old, you know? I mean, do I have visible abs? Sure. You know, do I walk around with my shirt off in a Speedo? No, I don't, you know? I mean, like, like, you know, I get it that that is something that a lot of people use to sell, but at the same time, I mean, can't we can't we talk about, you know, what living a healthy life where you're happy with yourself, you're happy with your family, you know? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, some of those ad people, you know, in those other podcasts that, you know, that a lot of them are miserable and a lot of them are actually doing an unsustainable approach. I mean, someone was talking to me about one of the podcasts that, that, you know, we sort of fight for position in the health category. And I was just thinking to myself, 
I guarantee you that dude is miserable all the time, you know, and, 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 you know, sort of putting this message out there that's kind of, you know, unsustainable and unrealistic and really not something that the good majority of people are going to feel passion and excitement for on a daily basis. And if you don't have passion and excitement, you're, you're gone, right? You're, you know, and, and I mean, yeah, that guy, you know, he might be miserable, um, but the fact that he's kind of pursued that path and he feels painted in that corner, you know, um, that, you know, you know, that's going to be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy for him. You know, he's going to stick to that plan. His incentive, his whole business is being miserable. His whole business is kind of selling you on the idea of chicken and kale, right? But you have to ask yourself instinctively, this is what I'm saying, is like go with your instincts. Is instinctively that your is that your answer, you know, or have you tried some version of that same really restrictive, rigid shit, you know, for a long time and it's not worked for you, you know, and, you know, if what April and I are saying to you sounds kind of reasonable, yeah, because it is, and it's kind of simple. Now, does it mean that, you know, you're going to be, you know, a Victoria's Secret model or you're going to be, you know, kind of a, a physique person, you know. At the end of the day, a lot of these people that are, that we all look up to, you know, in magazines and stuff like that, there's a lot of work and effort that goes into that kind of stuff. If you're a lawyer, if you're a teacher, if you're a person, that just kind of, you know, wants to live a healthy life, you know, go out for date night, have some wine, you know, can you live healthy? Can you have body composition that matters? Absolutely you can, you know? And if you're watching on YouTube, I mean, you can see you April right now. I mean, I'm not like, you know, April's all trapped up. She's always in like, you know, muscle tanks and stuff like that. Um, I was gonna say, we could probably sell our videos better if we came all, um oiled up and stuff with like straight strappy tank tops on you know you were talking about the av guys doing their podcast we could probably oil up and and get a lot of ratings from that what we need to get is is you know dr brad Dieter on our or um is one of the members of our staff and he's like super abbed up at the moment and so we we need to get dr dr brad on these podcasts uh, everybody goes oh my goodness i totally got to do eat to perform because People with eat to perform have abs, you know. Abs, abs are so overrated. I mean, it's just so funny. Like, like, I mean, when you get to that point and you've done enough work to get there, it doesn't really mean as much as you think it will, you know. And you know, the one thing that I remember, especially as I got smaller, you know, right now, you know, at my lowest, I was one fifty. Right now, I'm at, you know, 175, 180. You know, a lot of times, you know, it really is kind of the relationship that you have with yourself, you know, that allows you to be happy or unhappy, you know. And what was nice about once I got to 150 is I could objectively say to myself, yes, I have, you know, a nice four to six pack here. Um, but... I really looked small, you know, and I looked 
kind of like a teenager, you know. It's, um, it, it totally reminds me of um, Mike Milner, who shared his uh, progress in SWAT, and I've coached him for six or seven months. And he came from the mindset. And the bad thing is, like what you were saying in regards to the trainers, the bad information. He was going to this gym for a long period of time, and the guy who kind of mentored everyone. It was the eat less approach. The, you know, at one point he was on 1500 calories a day, 1500 calories, and got down to, it was all about the body fat percentage, got down to like 8% body fat, but he looked like a boy, like a boy, and could not sustain it. Anytime, you've talked about it several times, Paul, anytime you go on vacation, you know, you gain five pounds, can't lose it, and it's just that vicious cycle. Um, but he finally started doing eat to perform, kind of gradually worked into it, really pushed it. And even the the transformation picture that he posted, he actually updated a picture today for me, and he's gotten bigger than he was in that one. I was like, dude, you're freaking jacked, you know, and he's pushing the the performance, pushing the strength gains. You know, pushing that, but he basically grew from a boy to a man. And it's funny because he's got a circle of people now that he trains with that they're all doing E to perform and they're showing this guy who still is is preaching the 12, 1500 calories to grown men and, and women that, you know, hey, you know, where do, how's that working for you? You know, how's. Yeah, I mean, you know, women teen, tend to be a little bit more susceptible to that message, but it's not like that's not also sold to us as men. I'm just going to say, if like you're a dude and you're listening to this and some other dude is telling you to eat 1500 calories, like you need to kick him out of the dude club, you know, like, like, you know, I mean, that dude needs to man the fuck up because, you know, if you want to do cool shit, you got to have food, you know, and, and that message also applies to women. But I'm just saying, like, if some dude said to me, like, I, you know, hey, man, you know, you eat 3,000 calories. I think you'd, you know, your physique goals would be better if you ate 2,000 calories. My first response to him would be, well, I appreciate that you have an opinion on me, but I'd rather you just mind your own business, right? Um, you know, a big part of what we talk about with Eat to Perform is people want to be given a system. And what Ethan Form is, is a framework. And you take that framework and you customize it to yourself and your goals with obviously the interaction that we have with you guys. But you're the one in charge. And I think that that's the thing that ultimately allows people a better level of success than the majority of the other ways that people are doing it. Because, you know, if, for instance, you're eating box food and box food shows up at your door every single day. And you're like, Oh great. You know, I lost six pounds and I'm looking better in the mirror. Well, what's going to happen when that box food doesn't show up at your door, right? You didn't create a system that allowed for better understanding, right? All you did was basically create a system that ultimately confuses and overwhelms you. Right. And even though what we're talking about does require some level of work on your part and does require some level of, you know, overall understanding, the one thing that I think makes a big difference for a lot of people 
is when you start getting information and you start playing with what works and then it works, you want more information, right? And I think that that's where what we're talking about is so different because our message is evolving. And if you have a list of, of good foods and bad foods, right, 10 years from now, that list of good foods and bad foods, that's still going to be the same. And the good majority of people aren't going to get the results that they want from that long term because results change. They're very dynamic. I mean, nobody's saying that you shouldn't eat mostly whole foods or that, you know, you shouldn't have carbs in moderation or fats in moderation. But when you look at April's example of Mike, I mean, Mike, you know, he, I mean, he posted the video of him boxing, you know, and, you know, all I could think was, and, and, and I hope people take it in the manner that I, I present it, but I mean, that's a physically capable guy, you know, and I don't know if Mike has a family, I don't know, you know, but as a man, you know, I, you know, I like to think that I can protect my family in a situation. I don't want to be sitting there, you know, starving on 1500 calories, you know, and, and feeling weak and incapable, you know, and for the longest time, that was a big part of my journey, right? I allowed, you know, you know, all of it became very, very confusing. I actually was doing this chapter um, of the audiobook that I'm doing right now um, on, on low carbon exercise and, or, or actually no exercise. And it certainly wasn't a scenario where I felt more capable in that process. And, and I did talk, you know, one of the things I just totally hate is that the, the low carb people feel like we're against them or something, you know? I mean, there's a big component of Eat to Perform where we talk about you know, not having an excessive amount of carbohydrates and having a reasonable amount of carbohydrates so you can allow for some, um, you know, processing of inflammation and things like that. So there's some, there's parts of our message and we also aren't, aren't saying to people that extreme exercise needs to be the biggest component of what you do, right? So there's some parts of what worked for me when I was low carbing with no exercise that are still a component of Eat to Perform. Right. And actually what's funny is, is as I've gotten better at my approach, some of the things that I've learned all along the way, I've been able to kind of use. And even though it failed me at one point, it failed me because I did that a hundred percent, but doing it as 20% of the journey, right. And then having another 20% being this or 20% being that, or, you know, like all of those things mattered. Like as an example, um, juicing was a big part of my journey. There was a guy, Drew, Drew Canavero, I guess he's kind of a popular guy um, in juicing. But, you know, I met Drew, you know, online um, early on when he first started talking. I guess now he's pretty popular. I, you know, I haven't really followed him in, in many years. But... <clears throat> Juicing was a big part of, of my journey, and I can tell you with 100%, as I get older, juicing will continue to be a big part of things for me because I always liked it, 
you know, and I always like getting more vitamins and more micronutrients. But at the time when I was juicing, it was really more of a way um, to kind of keep my food intake low. And now juicing as a component while eating, you know, would just make me a more healthy individual that's getting more micronutrients. And so that's why I say, even though something didn't work for you, maybe you could draw back on that and then it would work for you later on, right? In another way. And if you didn't view it, that's the problem is that everybody wants to have a hundred percent answer. And I think that if you're listening to this message, you might go, well, wait a second. You're saying go all in, go a hundred percent. We're saying go a hundred percent into the exploration. Go ahead and take that leap. Go ahead and take that first step. Don't allow, you know, yourself to just read on the internet. Take action, you know. I mean, one of the things that, well, you know, it's been interesting kind of following this whole podcast thing because there's a lot of mindset podcasts. And if you want to know the truth, I'm not a big mindset guy, you know. Because I think that mindset often, I, I, you know, there's a mindset component. I think Elizabeth Darsh, she writes a lot of mindset stuff for us. And she's great about it. People find that inspiring. But everything that you read from Elizabeth is about action, is about doing things. And the good majority of mindset, I think the intent is good. But often the reader will look at it and go, Okay, I can be happy with myself. Yes, absolutely. We'd love you to be happy with yourself. Now get to the damn gym and do the work, right? Or start meal planning, you know? But like, don't talk yourself into, I can be happy with myself today and continue kind of festering in this pool of, you know, confusion, you know? Take that first step, you know? I mean, you could literally just walk out the door right now and you're eating to perform. You could literally, you know, make dinner and prepare that dinner and you're eating to perform. And, and that's what we're saying. This is a, what we're talking about is action. Any thoughts on that, April? I mean, once again, I, I could just see the one stars coming in. He's so <laughs> long winded. No, I agree obviously about the action because you know without action, without a plan, you, if you don't actually follow through, you're never going to succeed. Um, why you were actually going off on that that whole little spill, um, which was awesome by the way. Um, I, it made me think of that show, My Six Hundred Pound Life, and I actually watched that. Um, I don't watch it regularly. If, Tom's got a, a remote control problem and he flips through and he'll actually stop it and, and we'll watch some of it. But, you know, a lot of those people, you know, obviously they're troubled and they have issues, but like what you said, the mindset, they settle for where they are and they accept that and they kind of cozy up to, you know, their current state and then it just progressively gets worse. 
they don't take an action, you know, they, they're already overweight and then they're, you know, fine with that and, and don't take any action and then they continually gain weight, gain weight, and then they're 300 pounds more heavier until they're, until they're literally about to die, you know, and it's, if you don't have a plan of action and that doctor that's always on there, you know, I think that whenever I coach people, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very easy going. I will give the tough love, you know, whenever I need to, but at times I'm not as stern as I need to be. And, and I'll watch him and he's basically like, they come in and he's like, you, you need to lose, you know, X amount of pounds before your next, you know, your, your next appointment. You know, if you, if you want to have surgery, you want to do whatever you need to do this. And then they come back and he's like, you know, you, you haven't been, you know, you haven't walked, you haven't tried, you haven't, you, you haven't put forth your work you know, um, type thing. But, but, you know, just like what you're saying, you know, if you don't take action, you're never going to, to get there. You're never going to, you, you, you know, you can have a different mindset and try to convince yourself that you're happier with how you are, but deep down, you're not happier. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to be, you know, truly happy. I mean, as you're, as you're saying this, you know, and obviously I wasn't, you know, 600 pounds, but at, at 230 pounds, I'm just going to tell you guys what, you know, I mean, I basically had a heart attack scare. Um, I, you know, had family members, um, you know, referring to me as fat and, and that became uncomfortable because I, I really viewed myself as kind of a template for success for those folks and, it, and, and for them to view me in that way, you know, really sort of struck me. And when I decided to pursue the path of exercise and eating, the level of commitment was off the charts. I mean, it, it was, you know, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. It was not the most enlightened approach, but I'm going to tell you something. You show me someone willing to take action, I don't care what their approach is, they can often see results by just plowing through things. And no question, I got sick, um, got a little bit kind of injured along the way. Um, that often stopped my progress a little bit because I had to, you know, heal and, and get better. Um, and I, my body wasn't ready you know, for the amount of exercise that I was putting in. I think that's where a lot of people fail, you know, is they want it all tomorrow. And I, I have to say, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, I'm going to pursue a lot of work. And I was doing two days where, you know, I'd work out an hour and a half in the morning and then an hour in the evening. And, um, you know, it took me it really only took me about two two months before I realized that that just wasn't going to work. You know, that I, you know, in that two months, I got sick a bunch. You know, I, I was really sort of struggling with, you know, how my body felt. But I never didn't take action. You know, I, once I made my plan and I said this was going to be my plan, you know, I did it. You know, and I think a lot of people, and, and as I was doing it, obviously I'm telling you right now, I refined my plan and my plan got better. You know, 
Um, it didn't end up being just long cardio. It didn't end up being just, you know, hit. It didn't end up being just weightlifting. It, it, you know, what I had to figure out was, okay, I'm over 40. It's time to kind of be a little smart about all this stuff. And ultimately I did. Actually, I think I might've been 39 at the time. Um, but when you kind of peel things back, you know, and, and you think to yourself, well, what is it that has allowed me some level of success? I mean, the thing that I always kind of point out to people is that, you know, people often think that their willpower, you know, is less. Um, and most dieters from a scientific standpoint some have some of the best willpower, you know, there is, you know. But if your failure point is once, you know, or three times, you know, I mean, when you look at ultimately what was the full picture of what has gotten me to the place that I am right now or the place that April's right now, you're looking at a whole bunch of failures, you know. And even, you know, it's kind of funny because even in the marketing of Eat to Perform, there's probably only, you know, five to ten things that ever really work, you know, like long term that you can super count on, you know. Um, and as a marketing team, as a staff, we come up with all these ideas and we know that the majority of them are going to fail, but you still have to move forward. You still have to take action because, you know, in the case of a business, if you're not moving forward, you're potentially going to fail. You're going to go out of business. And for April and I, as kind of the leaders of Eat to Perform, you know, that means people's jobs are on the line. Your relationship with food is on the line. Your relationship with your family is on the line. Your relationship with the community is on the line, you know. And so as you're doing that, yes, it's uncomfortable to approach failure, but at the same time, the, it, it really is the only option. It, it's the only option to take risk, see what works, figuring out what doesn't, and refining your plan as you go. Wait, you, you never learn unless you fail. You know, just like you make mistakes so that you can learn from them and improve and be better. You know, I don't know a single human being that has never made a mistake or has never failed at anything. You know, that's that's how you get better, you know. I mean, but, you know, hey, look, you know, let's call it out the way it is. I mean, there's a lot of programs that are talking about, you know, 30 days of super clean eating and then you do one thing wrong and you got to start from the beginning. I mean, like they're holding a gun to your head with chicken and kale and it's like, come on, you know, seriously, like I, I really can't have, you know, a coconut milk smoothie or something with some level of energy density that makes me feel good about myself. You know, that's where I, I think people don't understand the amount of mental damage that they're allowing, you know, these programs to have over them. And that's why, you know, I mean, as much as, you know, I can kind of come off strong as it relates to, you know, the diet industry and stuff like that, I do actually believe that, 
you know, many of the people working in the diet industry want to help people. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people that, uh, you know, take our course, you know, that, that, you know, become e form members, you know, they are, you know, gym owners, they're, they're, you know, nutritionists and dietitians and, and kind of what we're saying is sort of the opposite of what everyone else is saying. So these really smart people that are in charge of people's health and plans and stuff like that are coming to our way of thinking. And you're gradually seeing it, you know, even in the mainstream where, you know, our message is starting to get out there a lot more. And that's, of course, what happens when, you know, you have 1.5 million people listening to what you say. You know, the funny thing is, is what you said, you know, we're saying the complete opposite, but what we're saying is true. You know, it's like, it's no freaking secret. You know, it's true. You know, it's, it's based off of science. It's, it's based off of, you know, energy balances. It's based off of the human body. You know, it's all truth. Whereas, you know, this other stuff, you know, the 30 day quick fix, the 21 day detox, whatever, you know, those things, you know, it's, you know, my mother once told me, you know, if you, Tom tells me all the time, you know, a deal that seems too good to be true usually is, you know, you're not going to get abbed up in 30 days and, and, and it's going to sustain, you know, it's not going to be there. <laughs> you're not going to be able to, I mean, you know, it's, it's just not, you know, it's just too good to be true. You know, when I, when I see people in real life and they, they're eat before members, what they say to me over and over again is it just seemed to make too much sense. You know, I, I read everything that you wrote. I listened to everything you guys were saying and it just made too much sense. And what our role is, is to consistently bring you guys. We're sort of like your filter. And, and that's ultimately what each form members are buying is we are able to refine information to a point where we can present it to you and then you can ask us questions based on that, right? And that's what a lot of this live stuff is for. And then, you know, all the classes that we do in the group coaching and stuff like that, all whether it's the, the, the PhDs that we're bringing to you guys through the coaches course, whether it's, you know, the amount of information that we're able to process for you guys. How many times do you listen to something on NPR and you're like, oh, my God, you said the exact opposite last week, you know? Um, I mean, it, it's so funny. Do you listen to much national public radio? No. No, Tom doesn't. He tells me all about it, though. I mean, it seems like it seems like every single damn time I turn it on, it, they're like pushing for memberships. And I mean, yeah, you know, uh, do does eat before memberships? Uh, does it pay the bills around here? Absolutely, it does. You know, we hope that you guys join eat before. But the day that every five seconds I have to say, we really need you to be a sustaining member. That you know, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not doing that. You know, the, uh, I, I mean, the, like quit begging me NPR, please. You know, I, I like it. I'm interested. I, you know, I, I would give you money if I knew that this message was going to stop, but I know I'm going to hear it again next week anyway. So, you know, um, but yeah, the, uh, 
So I think we can just kind of end on that note. I think that, you know, we were able to hammer home a few points, but the difference between, you know, I, I guess probably the best way to say it, and it's sort of a funny way to say it, is there's two types of people, right? There's the the people that that make things happen, and then there's the, the people that go, what just happened? <laughs> right? And the the second type of people, you know, that's the type of person you are when you don't take action, you know? And yes, I will say to you that you know, you're not going to have your whole health, you know, solved, you know, in 15 days, 20 days, whatever. But what's going to happen is your relationship with everything's going to change. And a big part of Eat to Perform is that it's fun to be a part of. It's it's really exciting and it's exciting to interact with everybody and, and you're seeing everybody having a good time. You know, when I first started Eat to Perform, one of the things that I said was, I'm gonna make fat loss exciting. And I said, the only reason why, the only way that people are gonna ultimately have success is if they stay you know and if they continuously work at figuring it out and if we can't create excitement for them and passion you know and and, and they they know that we care for them then they're not going to stay and they're not going to reach their goals and but at the end of the day we can create all the excitement we want and you know we can care for you all we want but without action we're really not figuring out very much. And that's really what this whole thing was about. So I appreciate everybody listening in. I hope this helped people. You know, certainly if, you know, you're seeing this on Facebook or whatever and you want to respond um, or on YouTube, uh, maybe I'll open up some of the messaging. You know, I don't typically open up messaging on YouTube just because I don't, you know, check it all that often. But I, I, I may start doing that or um, maybe put somebody in charge of doing that because I really want you guys to be able to communicate with us back and forth that's a big that's a big thing whether you're an Eat Form member or not so I appreciate everybody being here and April did you want to say goodbye to everyone? Good night everyone. All righty we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>